0: and anything that isn't current probably won't work so if you're having trouble with a link that doesn't work that's probably why head on over to photobizhelp.com forward slash links or if you're following along at photobizhelp on instagram it's the link in the bio
1: by the time they get to our website they're all in they've seen the reel of the chaos of the family photo session yet the cover image or the final shot which is just this beautiful picture that you want on your wall for eternity. So I think we need to think about how we can use our marketing to show the messy middle and use our website to show the finished product.
0: This is the Photo Business Help podcast, a resource for photographers of all levels from brand new to burnt out who believe that business growth starts with personal growth. I'm your host, Natalie Jennings. I created Jennings Photo back in 2010 and have been happily full-time since, but not without some mistakes along the way. Those lessons, plus what's really helped me thrive financially and personally, are what I want to share with you so you can grow with your photo business too. You'll also hear stories from other photographers and industry folks, as well as my favorite ways to be more mindful and happier on this journey. I'm so excited to share this conversation with you. I had so much fun talking to Tanae. And even though she's just starting her day in Australia and I'm here in almost the dark in Minnesota, we had so much energy in this conversation. And it's about marketing and it's about copywriting and wordsmithing and all those good things. But I think the best part of it is some of the tips that we talked about are things that I think go unnoticed frankly in business the entire time we were doing this interview i was thinking oh my gosh i want to do that and i want to update that and i i'm excited to offer that we really take a broad look at your business and how you're communicating value and that's the most important thing how do you communicate value how do you communicate with your clients how do you get someone to look at your stuff and then book you you know that's the marketing piece and we cover all sorts of stuff so this is really really fun Tanae is a marketing strategist, and her main thing is the strategy studio. So she does all sorts of copywriting and marketing strategy for small businesses. Before we get into the interview, here are a couple words from the folks that support this show. If you'd like to try digging in a little bit more deeply into yourself, what makes you tick, and your business, and maybe try and figure out what needs to be released or changed to make your business grow and thrive and to make you happier as the business owner, check out one of my one-on-one tarot readings for businesses. They are about 45 minutes. They're done one-on-one privately over Zoom and offer you the opportunity to dig a little deeper and really understand what you need most and tap into your own wisdom. So, Check that out. You can go to photobusinesshelp.com forward slash tarot, T-A-R-O-T, to learn a little bit more about how all of it works and to pick a slot and sign up. Well, yeah, I'm really glad that we're able to do this. You're in in Australia, so we're in very different time
1: zones. Yes. (laughs) Different time zones and very different climates.
0: Very different climates. I've been to Australia once and it was awesome. But like right now I look out my window in Minneapolis and it's snowing. So
1: Well, to be fair, it should be a beautiful summer's day here today. And it's not quiet, but still it's not cold. So I can't complain at all.
0: Is it morning for you? It's like three thirty for me.
1: Yeah. So at the moment it's eight thirty in the morning, but I'm I'm in the future. I'm a day ahead of you. (laughs) You're Friday. I'm on Friday already. Yeah, my week's nearly over. I
0: went to university in Hawaii and I did a summer program teaching in Japan. And it's such a trip when you cross the international date line and come back home because you get like in another you get a full day. I think
1: I left on a Sunday morning and I got home on a Sunday morning. I
0: was like, this is wild.
1: It's strange. We lived in Canada for eight years and when we'd come, my husband and I both from Australia, so we'd come back to Australia quite often. And it was always weird. You'd like lose a day, gain a day, lose a day, gain a day, depending yeah. which way you were going. Yeah. Cool. Well, I
0: feel like maybe just letting people know a little bit about what you do and, and we can kind of go from there. I've, I have everything, like I've been just reading through all of it because it's so beautiful and fun, but the strategy studio is what you do. So tell me a little bit about that.
1: Yes, thank you. I'd love to. So I'm a marketing strategist and copywriter. And what my passion is, it's about helping service-based businesses communicate their value so they can show up in their marketing with confidence and on their website, whatever that might look like, and feel confident enough to charge what they're worth. Because I feel like our businesses are only enjoyable and satisfying. It's not always about the money, but we have to be compensated for all of this energy and passion that we're putting into our businesses. And I think that when we can communicate our value, we're able to do that. So that's kind of my wheelhouse playing in the marketing strategy and wordsmithing space.
0: I love wordsmithing. That's wonderful. But we talk about it a lot on the show, removing resentment from your work when you can show up to something, even if it's as a photographer, like an awful gig, if you're getting compensated, well, it doesn't feel as icky, and I think that that's huge, yeah, I'm really interested though, because something that we haven't talked a lot about on the show, maybe a little bit here and there is copywriting, wordsmithing, all the stuff that you do. Mm-hmm. I have never hired a copywriter. I have an English degree, like creative writing and all that stuff, so i I guess I've just always been like, I'll do it comes easily, and I don't even know if I'm that you know skilled in it. I'm curious, just sort of like a baseline place to start. Mm-hmm. What do copywriters bring to? the table, I guess, this is a weird phrase, but yeah, that someone that feels like they're a decent writer like myself doesn't, or what sorts of things do you notice that you're like, oh my gosh, people always do this or never do this, that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, that's such a great question. I think the biggest thing a copywriter brings is objectivity, because mm. I often say even copywriters can't write their own websites. Ah, When you're in your business, even though you might be a really great communicator, you're so in tune with what you do that sometimes you don't know what you don't know if that makes sense like you don't know what other people don't know maybe is a better way to put it yes so sometimes you're just so good at it that you don't realize what those gaps are so you think that you're communicating your value really effectively but someone from the outside looking in might still have a lot of questions and I often find that's what a copywriter can bring to the table they can ask those extra questions to kind of flesh out your value even more so I think when we do our own copy which is amazing when we feel confident doing that and I'm the biggest advocate for I always say give your website to go and let me fill in the gaps for you. Don't feel like you just have to hand it over from the beginning.
0: That's cool, yeah.
1: But I think often the gaps and those deeper questions that a copywriter can dig into is just going to take your website or your marketing copy in general, whatever it is, to that next level so the value that you have is communicated as effectively as it needs to be. Sometimes we do our own selves a disservice, I think.
0: Yeah. Audrey and I just recorded yesterday one of our phototherapy episodes and we were we were talking about this exact idea of communication you know, having what feels to the business owner like over communication, but really you're in your business all the time. You know exactly how it works. You get what you're offering on some weird level in your brain. But when you really start to look at what people are receiving when they first email you, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of gaps. So I guess combining that with the ability to be a great writer is probably helpful for everybody.
1: Yeah. And I always say that repetition's your friend. Mm. And when we're writing our own copy, we get nervous that we're repeating ourselves. We're like... I said that before or I said that even if it's just in your social media. Oh, I wrote that in a caption last week. But I think what we forget is we get tired of hearing ourselves speak but no one else is listening to us as much as we're listening to ourselves and we always quit the message and I mean we as business owners, we quit the message when we get tired of it mm-hmm. but that's usually the point that our audience is just starting to cotton on to what our message is.
0: Yes, they have to see it a bajillion times. I
1: <sighs> a bajillion, yep. yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I liken it to like a set list that a musician has. I mean, when you go to a show, you're like, my favorite song. This is awesome. And they've played it like a million times. (laughs)
1: That's the best analogy. It's exactly that. Yeah. 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 That's really cool. I I can super appreciate
0: that. So let's take it to photography just because that's most of our- That's the place. (laughs) The interesting thing about photography is that people can communicate a great deal with just their imagery, obviously. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's only a few industries I think that can really do that. Have you worked with a lot of photographers and do you notice anything when you're just kind of scanning around and looking at their websites that maybe if someone's listening, maybe we could give a tip or two to photographers that's easy and accessible and useful? (laughs)
1: 100%. I think that if I can just give an example. So recently, um, we were organizing a family photo session with our extended family and it was my mother-in-law who was, she kind of, it was her project and I've worked with lots of photographers and I was trying really hard just to kind of take a step back and let it it be her decision. But what I found and what was actually really interesting market research in a way was to watch someone that's not necessarily in the creative space or working with creatives to see how she assigned value to what she was looking at. Uh. And as a creative, I could look at a website and I could see whether it was the amount of editing work or I could see how well composed an image was or I could see how challenging the light must have been in the situation that that photo was taken or I could see that there was 15 people in that photo and what photographer wants to do a family photo with 15 people like I could see the challenges exactly and that's what we were wanting a photographer to do (laughs) so (laughs) I guess me being in the creative space I could see all of that which is unspoken, right? We, as a photographer, you, you know all those things. They're so obvious. And I think it's so easy to forget that the person looking at our image, at our imagery, just sees a lovely image. They don't understand what went into making that lovely. In their mind, they pushed a button. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I think, the challenge of photography. It obviously does very much depend who your ideal client is um, and the space that you're working in. If you're working in editorial, for example, and you're working with lots of other creatives, there is a lot of that that can be communicated through through one image. But comparatively, if you work in the family photo space or even in the wedding industry, as another example, you sometimes are having people as a one-time transaction and a photography investment for them is like, you know, literally once or maybe three times in their life, they really invest that significant amount of money into having this experience. So they see the picture and think it's beautiful, but they don't understand why that the experience of getting that photo should cost them hundreds or thousands of dollars because to them, you pushed a button.
0: Yes. You're singing to my photographer's heart here because
1: (laughs) it is, it's something that, is
0: so hard to explain to people. I I was also just talking to Audrey about, so my mini sessions, for example, family photography are 15 minutes, you get 10 photos, I usually end up with 40 or so that I edit and then they still get to just choose the 10. But it's taken me almost 13 years to get to a point where kind of no matter the mood of everyone, no matter the weather, for the most part, unless it's raining, I can get a bunch of really great photos in 15 minutes. But look
1: at the years of experience that it took to get to that point. Yes. And that's the part we need to communicate. I'm like thinking about my website going, I don't know if I really do that that well.
0: <laughs> but it's it's hard to communicate that really without, I think, finding the language for that is still kind of challenging. Like, hey, by the way, the reason you're paying this much is because,
1: yeah. you know. So that's where I think our marketing comes into play. It's not necessarily always the job of our website to do the heavy lifting. So I like to say our, obviously website is a part of your marketing, but I kind of look at social media as like the ecosystem that gets people to your website and it's your website's job to convert them once they've got there. Hmm. So rather than saying it's your website's job to find your clients, obviously SEO can help with that um, in a big way, but I don't think we can put all of that responsibility on our website. I think we need to share the load with our marketing. So Reels, for example, um, using Instagram or using social media in general, that's where we can show the behind the scenes that probably sometimes feels a bit too messy to want to have on our beautifully professionally polished websites. But if we know we're using our broader marketing ecosystem to expose people to the experience of working with us, by the time they get to our website, they're all in. They've seen the reel of the chaos. (laughs) Yeah. of the family photo session, yet the cover image or the final shot, which is just this beautiful picture that you want on your wall for eternity. So I think we need to think about how we can use our marketing to show the messy middle and use our website to show the finished product.
0: That's a really, really great way to think about it. I hadn't ever thought about it that way before. But one thing I really love about Reels, like my Jennings photo account in particular, is I kind of – Show me in the reels, my dog, my whatever I'm up to, you know, like yes. weird stuff,
1: just <laughs> like comedy, whatever. But they get to know the person behind the, the lens yes. as well. And that's valuable, especially when as in photography, it's like it's an intimate connection you need to have with your photographer. Like you need to trust them, you need to feel comfortable with them. And I often find it doesn't, not necessarily photography, but in general, any service that I'm going into that I need to have an engagement with the service provider quite closely. Like if I go to their social media feed and I can't see their face or I can't hear their voice, and I don't necessarily mean that in an audio sense, but like Mm -hmm. hear and feel it through their content, I won't make that inquiry because there's something in me that feels a bit hesitant, like, oh, can I trust you? And you're probably thinking, how is showing reels of me and my dog helping people trust me? And it's it's not so much about that one-time encounter. It's the multiple encounters that they can have with us through our marketing that lets them get to know, like, and trust us. That then when they get to the point of finally hitting our website, it's a no-brainer to hit that inquire now, book a call, whatever that call to action is.
0: Yeah, I love that. As far as Instagram goes, at least you can keep a beautiful feed if you want. You know, I like to just do my post my work and then you can really engage with your audience. So I think that's super cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure which way you want to take this. If it's like a another like definitely think about this and do this or like a please avoid this kind of thing. But what's what's another maybe tip that you could offer people that are listening
1: I always think to make the ask, I call it, Uh, because so often we play the polite card and we're like, here's my beautiful work, here's my creativity, here's my soul in a bunch of images on this screen. I hope you love it enough to work with me. That's not enough. It's never enough. Mm -hmm. And we need to stop being so careful and polite and actually tell people what we want them to do. What is that process of working with you like? Do you want them to book an inquiry call? Can they instantly open up a calendar and book a family photo session with you? What do you want the person visiting your website to have to do to work with you? So don't hope that they'll click through all the buttons and eventually find the contact form that tells them what has to happen remove all of those obstacles. It's not pushy to help someone connect with you. That's never pushy. And so many websites that I will go into review, especially people in the creative space, they're trying too hard to let their creativity do the talking. Mm. And again, it depends on your ideal client. To sure. a particular type of client, that will work. But to most clients, you need to lay it out An ABC one, two, three. This is what you do next. This is the process of working with me in three to five steps. I know there's a thousand steps that go into it, but for the client we're trying to communicate with to have this initial interaction, we need to make it feel like a one, two, three. And that's, I think, what every creative struggles with, to how do I break down this really in-depth, creative in-my-head process into a make an inquiry, we'll have a phone call together We'll lock in your session date. You'll receive 100 beautiful images of, enter, whatever the occasion was here.
0: Yeah. I mean, setting expectations is such a good reminder. I mean, really, if if you're listening, do your clients know what to expect, honestly? Like, how long are you going to be there? How long will it take to get their images back? Do they get to proof? Or are they just going to get a bunch of whatever? Kind of like I have a teaching background, and one of the most useful things I learned was whether... I was teaching in a classroom or later on speaking at an event or something was like, this is what we're going to do today. Mm -hmm. This is what's going to happen. So people aren't sitting there kind of like, let's say your opening is a little dry or boring. They know that, Oh, in 10 minutes we'll probably get into the, the group chat or something, you know?
1: Yeah, and I think that's where, like, even something as simple as your FAQs can be really helpful. Yeah. And to me, FAQs don't, aren't just a drop down on your contact page. To me, your FAQs are multiple posts in your marketing content. They might even be like a lead gen that you have in your website. Like, it could be. 10 things to know about working with a family photographer and they download it and all of those things they might not even be thinking they don't know what they don't know but they're like I don't actually know what happens in a family photo session so let me download this and find out And all of those things that you get frustrated about and you're like, why don't people know this? Or (coughs) I just wish that people knew that editing their family photo session isn't something that I do when I get home and deliver the images the next day. Like those kind of frustrations, we can communicate that. And I always say to my clients, don't get frustrated with a client for something you didn't communicate.
0: Yeah, we've talked about that a lot. And I think that's a great reminder and that redundancy. and repetition, it feels, again, like you're on tour as a, a musician or something because you're just yeah. doing the same song every day. Yep. But for someone, it's new every single day. One of the things I had trouble with this year with my mini session early in the year, my mini session email when the photos were finished and then they got to choose their 10 and if they wanted more, they could buy more, was people not reading the thing and and just getting confused. And so I was like, oh, I'm not there's something i'm not doing right here and and the quick fix that has worked was just to say please read everything carefully right away and kind of break it up a little bit more so it wasn't like long run-on sentences but really uh-huh. just telling them like please do this thing and it
1: it helped it does i get caught up when we have these conversations and like oh i don't want you to be listening to this thinking about like oh cool you're adding more work to my workload what I say is find any opportunity you can to automate it. So let's say that you do the family photo session or you shoot the wedding or you do the editorial, whatever type of photography you do, there's generally speaking a bit of a flow of events that happens after the booking. So can you have templates that are like, hi, family, it was so lovely to shoot with you today. Just wanted to let you know what you can expect over the next enter time frame here and give them three to five dot points of you'll get your gallery on this day. This is what has to happen next if you want more print orders. This will be the timeline. Just that just have it as a template in your Gmail that's like a enter appropriate information here and you might be surprised how many emails that stops you receiving in your inbox. Yeah. Again, if you hate doing that kind of stuff, you can outsource it. Like often when I'm writing an email nurture sequence for a client, they're like, "Why are you there?" <laughs> I also have these automation emails I send that are clearly not communicating what I think they are. Can you tweak them for me? hundred percent. When we're in our own businesses, again, like we were talking about earlier, we often can't see what's missing. So getting a completely external person, even a friend sometimes can do it for us to look at it and go, oh, actually, what happens between that step and that step? Because I have questions.
0: Yeah. In my coaching program, I have a little exercise called like the boomer test where it's like, (laughs) Have, like, your baby boomer relative or friend or whatever go on your website and just see if they can figure it out because a oh, lot of I'm that generation, <laughs> <that. laughs> a lot of that generation or older aren't seeing this sort of so good fire hose of stuff that we get every day and probably aren't interacting with it as much. At least, my folks yeah. aren't, and they're of that
1: generation. And so, that's kind of like a a fun one. <laughs> It is. And it's so funny you say that because obviously my my parents and, and my in-laws are of that generation too. And we did find the amazing photographer. She did the family shoot, but what ended up happening was there was one family photo we liked, but there was an inappropriate hand gesture from a, long, from a young child. And it was the one we wanted on the wall, but it just wasn't quite right. And I said to my mother-in-law, you know, you could contact the photographer And obviously I said, please offer to pay for her to do that photoshopping because that's a bit of work. And of course she did it. There was no charge and they got back this, you know, put two images together to remove the inappropriate hand gesture and (laughs) they now have this gorgeous photo on their wall. And it was funny that in retrospect, I think that was the moment where she was like, oh, I see the value. And it's not that she did it when she got the image delivery, but it was that like one little extra gesture that made her go, oh, yeah, that wasn't something I could just do in an app on my phone. I was like, no, it is not. <laughs> yes, I but know. But I think those are all those little behind the scenes things that are helpful for people to know happen. Again, probably not an FAQ, probably not something on your website, but a fun little inclusion in your socials to be like, ever had this, oh, damn it moment, look how we can fix it. And yes. those all the, the accumulation of those lots of little moments is when people are like, oh, yeah, that's a lot of work. It makes them not get that sticker shock so much when they get our price list.
0: Yeah, communicating the value. I mean, that's and it's such a great reminder to have folks move away from having to have all of it perfectly on their website. At least for me, as I'm listening to you, like yeah. lowers the anxiety a little bit. Like, oh, I could just uh-huh. do a little, a little real about it or something, you know? Yeah, I'm interested. We don't have tons of time, but and this is like something we could probably talk about for a week. But I'm really interested along those lines, communicating value. Or just communication in general. If you have any thoughts on how photographers can utilize their email lists in a way that's not, I don't know, I always feel like I don't have a ton to say as a photographer, like, Mm -hmm. hey, it's me again. I know you only need photos like (laughs) once a year, you know, that kind of thing. It works really well for mini sessions because people are like waiting for me to announce them. But if it's just a general, Photography account, so to speak, where you're just doing family photos and there's no special offer. Do you have any tips for folks that are kind of like, I don't get the whole email list thing?
1: Yeah. I love that you asked that because I call it real world marketing. There's the ideal world where I could tell you everything that the textbooks, so to speak, are going to say about this is how you should do email marketing. But then there's the like real world of I'm one person with this much capacity. What is the best use of my time and energy? And I say that if you have clients that are typically going to be uh, maybe once a year or even sometimes a one-time transaction rather than nurturing that trying to nurture that list every week or every month maybe your first point of investment in your email marketing is what would be called a nurture sequence so rather than sending them one email a month over 12 months when someone joins your list they get an automated sequence of maybe six emails or four to six Mm -hmm. that communicates the process of working with you and what it's like and you might kind of outline some of those faqs you might share some of your favorite galleries and they're all leading them to the point of making a booking or an inquiry Call with you, whatever that next step is. So sometimes that is a great way. You obviously need to give them something onto the list, which could be like we talked about 10 things to know about planning your family photo session. But then it's not just that lead gen they're getting, they're then getting another four to six emails from you. And if they've gone onto six other photographers' websites while they're looking for this family photographer, but you're the one that shows up in their inbox over the next month, who do you think they're going to make the inquiry to if you're, if you're the only one that's adding value to this experience for them?
0: Yeah, that response time and just being present in front of people yeah. is so huge. And, and it goes back to your like automate as much as you can thing, you know, because yes. they're just going out automatically.
1: Yeah, and on the other end of it, in terms of the ongoing nurturing of a list, if you do have the opportunity, to, like you were saying, to have them a repeat customer, like even if it is just the once a year booking that they would have, Don't feel overwhelmed that you have to show up all the time in their inbox. We just need enough touch points that when they get to the time of year that their brain says, book the photo session, our name is the one that's the top of their mind. That's what our job is. So I think relieve the pressure of, if I don't show up every month, I'm not doing it properly. That to me is an ideal world. If you can show up every month, that's amazing. But if you can't, if you can show up at four distinct times a year in their inbox, Mm -hmm. that's still bringing value. And sometimes that could be as basic as – Giving them tips for a so maybe in November you send an email that's giving them tips for Christmas family photo sessions. Obviously, you want them to book you, but the whole point is you give them five tips to do the cute family photo in front of the Christmas tree. They're going to be like, That's adorable. That's too much work. Where do I book? Yeah. Right? But sometimes if we can give them the tips that makes it feel like we're bringing value, it's just a little reminder of, Oh, I could do it myself. Oh, but it's that photographer that I also really love her work on Instagram or wherever it might be. I'm just going to make that. Inquiry. So, whether it's tips, sometimes it's as simple as showing up and sharing like four of your most favorite sessions that you've had recently, sure. or celebrating wins that you've had in your businesses. Like if you've got beautiful things to share, it doesn't feel salesy to show beauty, right? Or to show joy, or yeah, be okay with celebrating it and not thinking that. To me, marketing emails aren't there to sell things like there's, there are sales sequences and there's a time and a place for that. And they can do that. But in my mind, the value of a marketing email is just to keep your brand front of mind to a potential client. So they continue that no like, and trust building experience with you.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I, I was just reminded of a colleague of mine who's a family photographer and she has kiddos. And one of the things she started adding, I think it was like a monthly newsletter was just, she had a little section that was like toys I like or clothes I like or knowing that her audience were also parents even though she is a photographer Uh it engaged them in other ways if the rest of the year they knew they weren't going to be booking until November or whatever they could look forward to useful information from her and get to know like and trust her in like a different way so that might be interesting for people to to noodle over yeah
1: (laughs) and I and I also think about um looking at who's in your circle of influence so who else in your world has the potential to refer clients to you. So like in the wedding industry, for example, it might be venues. So it could be as simple as doing a roundup of 10 of your favorite wedding venues in your local area. Yes. That's such a great way to bring value. But then they're like, oh, I was looking at that venue and she's shot at that venue or he's shot at that venue. Oh, oh, well, obviously that's who I want to make an inquiry with.
0: Yeah, that's huge. Of course, as I'm doing these interviews, I'm always like, oh, I'm so excited to go like adjust my welcome sequence, whatever. I get excited about all this stuff that I want to keep improving. And for people that are listening that are like, oh, my gosh, that just added, like you said, a million things to my list. Like, <laughs> take it a little bit of it at a time. I mean, my stuff is constantly evolving and getting better and you don't have to knock it out of the park and you won't knock it out of the park right out of the gate. So, wow, lots of weird like idiomatic phrases that we yeah. use. but
1: <laughs> It's true. I'm a marketer and I don't do all of my marketing right. And my favorite thought, and I say this all the time, don't feel overwhelmed by everything you can't do. Feel empowered to do everything you can.
0: Oh, that's nice. That's really nice. Well, one more question regarding what you do with the strategy studio. If someone listening, photographer or not, is a small business owner that's like, "Oh my gosh, I need help and I do not want to write my <laughs> stuff or, you know, that really wants to work with you, for example, or someone like you, what can they expect? with that process? Like what would be just a quick overview of what it's like to work with you?
1: Yeah, definitely. So I think my process is probably a little bit unique. I can't speak to how all copywriters do it, but my approach to copywriting is I do mine as what I call done in a day bookings. So For me, that came about from that frustration of wanting to work with a service provider and everything turning into this drawn-out project. Mm. No one in a small business wants the drawn-out project. We want the results. (laughs) So for me, depending on the size of a website, it's usually a one- to three-day process to get a a full website written. If it's just a review, it might be one- to one-and-a-half days. But usually for me the process is we have a chat, I ask you a bunch of questions on what you feel like is working and what you feel like is not. I'll obviously bring my own expertise into that conversation, but you will also have data from your analytics and opinions on based on your own experience about what is and isn't working and then usually I just say and leave it with me and then I will do a rework of that content I will ask questions where I feel like the gaps are I will highlight areas that I think you need to Um, add more content in or take content away. And essentially I kind of come back to you with a Google doc and it's like, here is what I believe is your updated website copy. And then you have 24 hours to kind of, we review it together. You give me edits. And then within 24 hours, I come back and say, here it is. It's finalized. Send it to your web person or yourself, if you are the web person and make those updates. So you've gone from making in theory, depending on the timeline, but from that first phone call with me to having you update a website copy is like a really fast turnaround. So instead of update website being this Task on the to do list that just like month by month <laughs> just, just like you. bobs along. Yeah. And follows <laughs> you. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, it's still there. Yeah. That's what I like to try and avoid. I want this to be a transaction and not in a dirty transaction, a transaction, you know, we're going to get it done and it's going to be off the list. So that's how I like to approach copywriting. And my goal is always that that update a website copy then becomes so much marketing content for you. The language on there should go into your captions, the language in there should be the talking points that you do and your stories that then goes into your highlights. That consistency piece in our marketing is so important. And it often starts with if we get our website right, we can make that flow into everything else that we do and say.
0: Yeah, you just answered my next question. And that's something I, I definitely touch on a lot in my coaching as well is finding a way to reiterate your message and repurpose like the super hard work that goes into that main message so that you can put it in everything else. Repetition is your friend. Ah, I love that. Well, if there is there anything else you want to add? I mean, you had that beautiful piece of advice, but any other like sort of anything you want to
1: leave people with before we jump off? I just think... We started the conversation talking about pricing and it's such a passion thing of mine that your pricing should excite you and I just want to leave people with that thought. If your pricing doesn't excite you and instead of like doing a little happy dance or getting a spark of joy when a new client inquires or books, if you instead get overwhelmed and dread, to me that's just a big red flag that you're not being compensated for your amazing creativity and your amazing value. So just to have that confidence in yourself and if for any reason you just feel like you can't charge more... I always say all roads lead to marketing. There's always a way. You just need to get your marketing right to increase that perception of your value so people will be willing to pay that price and invest in you at that level. Uh, perception of value is fascinating to me. I would love to have
0: another chat with you and just talk about that because, I mean, yeah, <laughs> think of like handbags and like, I don't know, you know? I mean, there's so much that we willingly pay a tremendous amount of money for because of our perceived value assigned to it.
1: I could have such a big conversation on that. I have so many thoughts, but yes, it's true. We have a perception of value and we as business owners have an opportunity to control how people perceive us. We just need to know how to do it correctly with our marketing.
0: Oh, I love this conversation. And hopefully we can pick up this chat again sometime in the future. Would love to. Tanae, do you want to just let people
1: know where they can follow you and find you and Yes, so thestrategystudio.com is my website and I'm at thestrategystudio on Instagram. Um, On both of those, I'm on other platforms too, but that's where you'll find me most active. And on both of those, you'll find where you can sign up to my email list and I send out marketing emails once a week. And it's um, a mixture of tips that you can implement yourself. It's musings from my own experiences in business, anything I can do to bring value um, to help you feel that empowered to do what you can instead of overwhelmed by all the things on the list that you're the noise is telling you you should do. You don't need to do them all. You just need to do what you can.
0: Ugh, I love like the energy coming from your advice in this conversation is is making me feel good because I think in this industry, coaching, whatever it is, I think there is this overwhelm of just, I used the word fire hose before, but it's, uh-huh. it's, it's, uh, it's, paralyzing for some people. They're just like, I don't, and their to-do list, like you said, like update website just follows them the whole year, (laughs) you know? And I think it's really nice to have just to take it one breath at a time and just Mm -hmm. little by little, and it doesn't have to be this bonkers thing. So I appreciate that. Totally agree. Well, thank you so much. If you're listening, you can find all of the links and things in the show notes as always. And uh, hopefully we'll, let's pick up the value conversation. I think that'll be really fun.
1: I would love to do that. Thank you so much for having me, Natalie. I've loved chatting.
0: Thank you for listening. All of the links that today mentioned are in the show notes as always. I also would like to offer... A reminder that if you're feeling a little stuck in your business, if you want to go into this year now that it's kicked off with a little bit more clarity, maybe a little bit more understanding of what feels good to you. And if you're maybe you're struggling with decision making in your business or just feeling kind of poopy, maybe you've had a rough go of it lately. My tarot readings are available for small business owners and just people. You know, if you want to bring something really personal to the table, that is okay too. They're 30 to 45 minutes, generally about 45 via Zoom. And we take a reflective approach. So this isn't predictive, it's reflective. In other words, the cards are going to kind of give you a little bit of an insight into what might need looking at and what you can do to make things better. So head to photobizhelp.com forward slash tarot, T-A-R-O-T, and check that out. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your week. And remember, in everything you want to achieve, consistency is key.